بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد continuing with the discussion of this kitab ذكرنا شاكي مو اختصار رحمه الله عليه that way to a happy married life so that mentioned many details in between we are going to be selecting some things now time is already finishing today possibly so whatever we manage to cover in this time left <coughs> one of the ahadith that were recited in the khutbah of the bayan itself and thereafter explained this is what nahazat is proceeding to explain that the translation of another hadith al-mar'atu kadhila in aqamtaha kasartaha wa in istamta'ta biha istamta'ta biha wa fiha iwaj the wisdom says that women are like a rib <coughs> then explain that because they have been created from the crooked rib there would be some crookedness do we not in spite of the fact that our ribs are crooked benefit from them <coughs> are the husbands are not benefiting from their wives in spite of the fact that they are temperamental although one's ribs are crooked we carry on living with them we never request to be admitted to a hospital to have them straightened the prophetic words are in aqamtaha kasartaha if you try to straighten them you will break them so this is just a way of understanding it and explaining to us that uh, the crooked rib also has its own use in that manner and benefit every insan has a ribs which are crooked nobody decides to go and straighten it out go get himself admitted to some hospital that uh, my ribs are all crooked straighten it out because he straightens out that will be end of his life maybe so likewise allah taala says on nabi sallallahu alaihi is giving us this that the woman has been created from a rib so there will be some things that might not be the way we wanted but that's the way that we have to now go along with it and work with that otherwise in aqamtaha kasartaha you try to straighten it out like you want to have everything then you're going to break it in other words you will cause a breakdown in that marriage this means that do not interfere with them too much tolerate the temperament if you will be harsh the matter will reach to a proportion to a very serious proportion and will end up in a divorce the poor children will swear and curse you that what a tyrant of a father we had who divorced our mother after the separation you too will think of her and cry when the tale of your harshness will spread no one else will give you their daughter as well thinking of you to be a merciless person who divorced one wife and will do the same to their daughter therefore have patience upon their bad temper their nagging and mood swings and do not try to straighten them the lesson in this for us is again like the previous ayat etc that we discussed that here again the address is to who that innal mar'ata khuliqat min dila who's primarily being addressed about this or being given this information this is the husband he's been told remember this is how the wife has been created and he is being told that 
So if we are 50% and we demanding 100% to be fair that we should demand 50% only. So the point is that nobody is going to be 100% the way we want and neither are we 100%. But in this, Nabi Salaam is saying to us that look, there is that crookedness in the other end, but you remain straight. You are the husband, you remain straight. If you remain straight, inshallah, you'll be able to take full benefit despite the little bit of deficiency in the character, despite whatever other there might be some weaknesses. We also have the weaknesses, but we need to stay straight. Often, the same thing like discussed previously, each one is demanding 100% from the other side. But ourselves, ourselves we're not really concerned about improving ourselves. So this is the main thing to look within ourselves and to improve ourselves, inshallah others will also follow suit. In the commentary of this hadith, Allama Qastallani rahmatullahi says that Allah Ta'ala's beloved Rasulullah advises men There is the lesson to treat wives well. Now, this is the hadith Sharif that is giving us this message that to treat the wives well and to be soft-natured towards them. And to have patience on their crookedness, their deficiency in character, to have patience on this. Further, it discusses another aspect. That Rasulullah says that although women are weak, Yet great people lose their sense of intelligence because of them. Therefore, save yourself from looking at strange women. This is compulsory for you. Even though one may be a professor possessing, having an, a PhD, a highly qualified graduate, or even an eminent scholar, without protecting the gaze, without taking due precaution, one will lose one's senses when looking at them. Then, among the rights of the wife, as it discusses something, that the Sharia has given some rights of being playful with the wife. Rasulullah told us that Aisha radiallahu once, playful meaning light-heartedness, this is also their right, that they are given some space and time to have that ease of mind. So this requires that that kind of interaction should happen. Once Nabi Salaam in a very Jovial manner, it was Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, inni la'a'arifu ghadabaki. I know when you are angry with me. Now this wasn't said in a, in a negative tone. This was said in a jovial manner. I know full well when you are angry with me. Now obviously, we must understand the context in which this is said. One is, somebody like us say something like this, so what does it really matter? Here we are talking about that this is the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa and he is addressing his wife. And he's saying to her that I know when you are upset with me. 
Now on the one hand, Nabi Islam is in a jovial manner bringing this up. First let us just complete this as mentioned here and then the point that is meant to be made. So she asked, may my parents be sacrificed for you, O Rasulullah How do you know? So Rasulullah replied, when you are angry with me, you say, Warabbi Ibrahim. Angry meaning you are upset, you are not something, is not, you are unhappy about something, then you will say, Warabbi Ibrahim. Now this was a common uh, part of speech that this would become a, a precede, something to precede whatever is going to be said. That, uh, Warabbi Ibrahim, Warabbi Muhammad, she would now, as a kind of uh, this is part of the speech. So Nabi Salaam is saying to her that when you're upset about something and then you want to now emphasize something you want to say, you'll say, Warabbi Ibrahim, by the Lord of Ibrahim. You'll take a qasam in the name of Allah Ta'ala, who is the Lord of Ibrahim Alayhi Salaam. But when you are happy with me, you say, Warabbi Muhammadin, by the Lord, by the qasam of the Lord of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, although being a great Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, this is the point, Nabi was and, and being so honorable, he tolerated his wife and did not get angry with her over this. So the Aisha on this occasion, she also responded and said, By Allah, I only leave your name out. I don't leave anything else out. In other words, the love in the heart hasn't changed in any way. The respect, the honor, the reverence hasn't decreased in one way. But just as a human nature now, I want to make it known that I'm not too happy about something. So that has to come out somewhere. So now in this very subtle way, so Warabbi Ibrahim, so Nabi Sallallahu obviously Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, so he immediately knew what she is, how this is unfolding, where it's coming from. So in a jovial way, he mentioned this. Now there's so many lessons in this. The lessons, one is, that Nabi Sallallahu didn't take offense at this. He didn't pass any fatwa on this. That do you realize I'm the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala and you sometimes are being upset with me? You know what will happen to your Iman? No, no, there's no fatwa about that. Because this was not in that context. This was in the context of the relationship between spouses. And in the relationship between spouses, there is this leeway. So there would no, be no fatwa on this. If this was from an Ummati, out of this, context and out of this relationship it could have become a very very dangerous thing for his iman Nauzubillah, he is becoming upset with the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. in fact this would render his iman null and void but in this context there was no such forget any fatwa there wasn't even a reprimand it became a light hearted point it just became a light hearted thing that I know well what's going on, don't think that I missed the point, I got the point so when you are saying Rabbi Ibrahim, I picked it up what's going on. But it became a light-hearted matter. Now this is the lesson in here that when Rasulullah being the greatest Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, the greatest of all Allah Ta'ala's makhluk, and he has given this space that they have this leeway. It's allowed, fine. Within the limits, this is fine. So who are we? to take offense about the slightest bit of some thing that has been expressed, some annoyance or something, some irritation was exp- expressed and that becomes a major thing. 
So this is one very, very basic lesson that comes, a very important lesson that comes from this Hadith Sharif. And the other thing is that the occasion when it was said, when Aisha Nana was perhaps upset about something, so she said it at that time, Warabi Ibrahim, something on that same occasion, take it up, so to say. He let it pass. He was fully aware of what's happening. After all, sahib wahi But he didn't bring it up at that time. But when it was a calm moment, a jovial moment, at that time he brought it up in a jovial way. Now often, things come up. Something might be said. So now, something that was said, you know that this is not what is being, what is being said is not accurate because it's based on some misinformation or based on some misunderstanding. But everything hasn't, doesn't have to be put right on that moment. Because at that moment sometimes, if somebody is not fully focusing because of emotion, because of anger now, whatever the case is, and you're going to try to explain while things are emotional, the mind is unable to grasp this because of the emotions. The emotions, they block out the thinking sometimes. Emotions prevent a person from being able to think correctly. Or the person is not fully focused, not being able to grasp because of the emotion and now you're insisting on explaining now what's going on. What's the? Let it pass. Just let it pass. In an appropriate time, when things have calmed down, when things are now, it's possible for somebody to focus correctly on the matter and understand it, then think carefully about what's the right way to put it and explain it. It doesn't mean that everything must just get ignored. Some things will have to be explained so that it sets the matter correct and it doesn't uh, allow it to recur. But everything doesn't have to happen in that same moment. Let it pass. But again, this comes down to the same basic issue and the essential things within a person. If the tawazu is there, the tawazu is there, person still let it pass. Now, it doesn't matter. If it means that I kept quiet, so what? Keep quiet now. doesn't mean that everything will just be swept under the carpet and forgotten. It will be addressed, but it doesn't have to happen right now. But the tawazu will keep, allow the person to keep his mouth closed for that time. And then deal with it in another time. He will also be able to deal with it correctly. Because he's also calm. He's not also reacting to emotions. Otherwise, when a person is reacting to emotions, he becomes emotional. So these are very simple, basic lessons that we need to bear in mind. And then as mentioned, some things after all what we will do and say and everything, some things won't change. Illa mashallah, but some things don't change. One person was walking on the seashore and he found one bottle. So now when he found one bottle, he's looking like a strange kind of bottle. So he found the bottle, so he opened it out. Now, we spoke about verifying information, this is unverified. So, this is a mis- somebody's story for the moral only. So, there's no reference to it. So in any case, when he opened this bottle out, so one jinnat came out. So now he got a shock. So the jinnat said, no, no, you don't have to be shocked about anything. You did me a favor, you released me. But now since you released me, now I owe you a favor. So what can I do for you? Now this person happened to be some high-flying 
business executives always all the time flying to China. So he said, you know, so the Jinnat is offering. So he said, now all this flying and so on, just build for me one freeway, highway from here to China. So you know, be reasonable now from here to China, highway over the seas and oceans and so on, ask for something else. So he thought about it and he said, okay, just try and just get my wife to listen to everything I say. So the Jinnat thought about it for a few seconds. And then he said, okay, that highway, how many lanes? <laughs> because that might be an easier task. <laughs> so some things won't change. Some things you just have to understand. And when a person understands that some things he will have to just work with, then that itself already makes it possible to deal with it in the appropriate manner. When he is insisting that this must change and it's something that's not going to change now obviously if it is something haram something completely out of line there's no question about ignoring that that will have to be addressed that will have to be improved will have to be corrected they're talking about these day-to-day -day things little deficiencies in some time a person's temperament somebody's nature somebody now has that temperament now that everything they would have to just say something about it and just react to something now, these things over time do improve. If you just deal with it and, and address it in an appropriate manner, it takes time, but it will come right. But then with all that, some things you cannot expect it to change, especially in a quick time. So when a person has that in the back of his mind, this is something that you have to just understand and let it be, then it won't become overbearing upon him. And this is not only confined to the relationship between spouses, in any other situation sometimes, people sometimes have issues with their parents. This is unfortunately an issue that comes up from time to time. And sometimes children are out of line. In many instances, sometimes parents are out of line. But now as discussed, the rights of parents, the respect of the parents, the honor of the parents, regardless of their deficiencies, that will have to be maintained. And the command of Allah Ta'ala, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفِّوا وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا That will apply even when they are wrong. Not that we will condone the wrong, or we will go along, along with the wrong, but how we will address them, how we will deal with them, that will still be within the framework of this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا That if you are correcting them also, you can't say off to them. Meaning you can't be saying something that... Now it's going to be crossing the line of respect. You can't be rebuking them. This is a very common problem, unfortunately. Parents err, but now how that reaction comes from children, they start talking to the parents as if they are their parents. That is obviously completely wrong. So that is an issue that sometimes parents do things. Now this becomes very frustrating sometimes for Children, now somebody has moved on in life, he's grown up, he's married, but now there's a certain way in which the parents are now uh, wanting things done and how they are bringing up things and issues, whatever. And often, or not often, in many instances, the way that is happening is out of line. So now this son or daughter is now trying to address it in some way to try and sort that this must not recur, but it recurs and it happens again. Now you can't cross your line of respect. Regardless, this. You say, then what should I do? And this is why Allah Ta'ala has given sabr then. 
And this is why there's so much great virtues of sabr. That perhaps anything else is close to it. And this is after all the test of dunya. That when somebody else crosses the line, it puts us in the test. Now we will stay within our limits or we'll cross the line also, that's the issue now. So sometimes this becomes a little frustrating for many. Part of the difficulty is that they are now trying in whichever way to change that situation. But the thing we have to, it's an unfortunate thing, but at the same time something that we have to understand. Especially after if a person has now grown up and then lived life in a certain manner, doing things in a certain way, conducting themselves in a certain manner, and this has continued over the years, now the person has come to a certain stage of life, the person is now past their 40s, past their 50s, Nothing is impossible, but the experience is that that becomes a very deep-seated thing in a person's character thereafter, and it is like almost a far-fetched thing that is going to change. It can change, but it will change when the person has acknowledged that this is my weakness, and wholeheartedly and willfully submits to somebody's correction, somebody's guidance, basically talking about how the whole process of Islam works. Now at that stage when the person now for 40 years, 50 years has been doing something in a certain way, reacting to things in a certain way, it's always my way or the highway kind of story and all the various other things that go along. Even that person after the acknowledgement, after the willful submission to somebody for the reformation, they will still have a battle to bring it right. It will come right if they keep following the guidance. Now that is after subjecting themselves to that process. If somebody doesn't understand the process also, so it's very far-fetched that it's going to change. Now that is something to understand and accept. That this is not going to change. Now when a person has accepted that, that this is not going to change, Illa mashallah, Allah tell us, something does change, well and good, but you're talking about the general experience, is not going to change. Now when he understood that, that this is not going to change, so now, if the person now, he has to, whatever the reason is, he's gone somewhere, whatever, he has to live in a place and sleep in a place where he can't stretch his legs fully, now he's insistent on pushing his foot through that wall. Because now I need to stretch my legs and sleep. What's going to happen? He won't get any sleep. Now he'll have to fold his legs and sleep away. He'll get some sleep. He won't be as comfortable sleeping with his legs outstretched, but he'll fall asleep, he'll wake up in the morning somewhat fresh, he'll be able to go along with his work, but now the whole night he's trying to kick that wall through to stretch his legs. So neither that wall will move, nor he'll get a one wink of sleep. So the next day he will be even more frustrated. And now he'll be unable to do his work, he won't be, so now the next night he's going to come and try to still kick the same wall. So what will be the outcome? The outcome will be that the frustration will then continue, then he is going to cross his line. Then he is going to now blurt out something in that frustration, he is going to explode somewhere. That wrong is wrong, but the reaction of his might become a worse wrong. And he will do harm to himself far greater than the harm that others were doing to him, because of his reaction, how he conducted himself, his explosion. So don't try to kick that wall out now, it's not going to happen. 
Now you fold your legs and sleep. You'll fall asleep. The message, the lesson, that now you're going to have to, work to learn to work around it. Just learn to tolerate it and work around it. So now when you have understood and accepted it's not going to change, that as human beings is going to affect a person to somewhat. He'll feel something, but it will be very easily overcome. That moment he'll feel something, but then now he'll bring it back to mind. Well, this was something expected, understood. When he walks away from there, he'll be over with it. Otherwise, when he walks away from there, it, each step will be now just raising that emotion further. But then why this happened again? But the last time I tried to address it. And now this should not have happened again. But now it happened again. So now how are we going to sort it out? Now his whole mind is in that, how are we going to sort it out? He's not going to get sorted out. So these are realities of life. They are not very uh, pleasant realities. But these are realities of life. And we need to understand these things. But at the same time, these are lessons for us. That today, maybe we are looking at it from a different angle. But tomorrow, we are going to be in that same level. Tomorrow, we'll be at that age. We'll be dealing with others under us. We'll be dealing with people who we might now start repeating the same thing that we were complaining about. So then we didn't learn anything. If we were complaining about it once upon a time, we should have learned better that this is not the type of conduct that should ever be uh, a person's conduct. So this lesson must nevertheless be taken by us. That I, this is the reflection. I must look in this mirror. That I don't do the same thing. Somebody else's behavior, their conduct is not in my control, but my behavior and conduct is something I need to work on. So this is something to understand and something to work on. So this came from the lesson where Nabi Wasallam, in a very jovial manner, he says to the Aisha radiallahu ta'ala, I know when you are upset with me, this is something which is like, so to say, a right of the wife. To sometimes express that. To have that space, not to be under that pressure and tension that I can't say one word out of turn here, otherwise I'll be in big trouble. <coughs> Further on, the Aisha Radlana says, when Rasulullah came into the house, he came in smiling and greeted the house folk. This is the Sunnah. There's a lot of things in between we just skipped, but just going to some points. The Aisha Radlana says, that when Rasulullah came into the house, he came in smiling and greeted the house folk. Nowadays, both these sunnats have been left out. Although Rasulullah had the whole ummah's grief and concern at heart, who could have been more concerned than him? And who could have had greater responsibilities than him? Forget greater concern and greater responsibilities. Nobody could have had one fraction of it. But despite all this whole Ummah's concern and the greatest responsibility that ever came upon anybody, yet he did not leave out this wonderful practice. Now, a person had a little bit of a busy day, or he had a little bit of a challenging day, somebody just provoked him in some way, or something went haywire, there was some problem, so now that problem that happened at the workplace, the problem that happened elsewhere outside, that becomes a problem for the people at home now. And from the time the person enters, either there's no salam, 
Or if there's a salam, then the tone of the salam already puts everybody at alert. Today must just be out of, just stay out of the way. And if there was no salam, then just one look at the person and that will be enough. That must just stay out of the way. That is very far from the conduct of a person who is following the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's way was this. That regardless of whatever happened outside, this is the entry into the home. Entry into the home is with salam and with a cheerful manner, in a cheerful countenance. So there would be sometimes a lot of things that a person is now, is playing on his mind and he's maybe had a very hard day, whatever. But that hard day, one is that that was a hard day outside, why make it a hard day inside now? And by this manner of stepping in, you're already creating that, that tone. You're already creating that kind of atmosphere. If he wants to really overcome that hard day that he had, start off by being cheerful yourself when you step in. That will already be your benefit. And this is something that I once read an article, that there's a kind of therapy. There's a kind of therapy which they call smile therapy. Now, just that if anybody wants to take this therapy, make sure nobody's watching. <laughs> The person is because of, well, sometimes people are in some depression or whatever else. So actually the person is advised to keep smiling. Now one is meeting others, etc. That is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Jareed ibn Abdullah Bajali radiallahu says that I never met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on any occasion except that when he met me, he met me smiling. There was... Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his shamail and the description of all his akhlaq etc. the riwayat that deal with it the sahaba in that mentioned ma ra'aytu ahadan aktsara tabassuman min Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I never saw anybody who was more smiling than Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so after despite all that concern of everybody else and all the uh, worry and whatever responsibilities but the smile now this, the sunnah has everything in it for us. A person just has to adopt the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The greatest bounty and benefit of that, that this will bring him closer to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa This will connect him to Allah ta'ala. Make him the beloved of Allah ta'ala. Yuhbibkum Allah. So this is the main thing. But the sunnah has so much in it for us and everything in it for us, for even our dunya. What is in Akhirat, that is obviously the main thing, and that is beyond our imagination. And the greatest bounty of the Sunnah is getting bonded with Allah Ta'ala, and getting close to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But in the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there are all the benefits of dunya as well. Many, many years ago in the school days, I recall, for the purpose of one speech, so now they were looking for something, one article came in front. Uh, and this article just by chance came up, whatever, the sleep posture. What should be a person's posture in, for sleeping? So now this was just being described how the person should sleep and he should sleep on his right side. Now this was from the scientific perspective. The description that was given that this is the best posture of sleep was exactly what is the sunnah posture. Now the sunnah posture Nabi Islam gave us 1400-1500 years ago. Science only found out about it now. But they'll keep finding. We don't need to wait for science. And we don't do it because of science. 
We do it because Rasulullah has taught it to us. Science will only find out and then they will come hundreds of years later onto what Nabi Islam already gave us. So likewise, this aspect about the smile, this is the sunnah of Nabi Islam, this article was something about smile therapy. That the person should take, now one is he smiling with people, even if he's alone, he must keep smiling. When he smiles, that now this is their research, it starts releasing certain chemicals. Like a person frowning, that starts releasing certain chemicals. All these chemicals have certain emotional effects. Now the person smiling, now like for example, we, Allah knows best what those chemical names were, but something like that's spoken about, like adrenaline, certain things now a person suddenly gets shocked with something, then the adrenaline starts pumping, and that sometimes a person, he couldn't even walk properly, and suddenly that shock makes him run in a speed, that others can't catch up with him. Now they don't know about how he ran at that speed. He says, no, this adrenaline, that's kicked in. But that's not something that happens all the time. That doesn't, is not in a person's control to boost it to that point. All these things, whatever it might be. But the point there is, that the smile releases certain chemicals in the mind, which starts creating a feel-good effect. Now when a person is smiling, so now this chemical is being released which is creating this feel-good effect. And that starts making a person feel good. So now it might not happen that in that one smile he will feel very good. But now as a therapy, now because the person is emotionally so low, so now this repeatedly, every now and again he's doing this. And that is why we said that if nobody's around, then make sure nobody's watching also. Otherwise they wonder that is this person feeling good or feeling something else. So, but the the lesson for us is that this smile is such a simple thing. This is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi and this is the way Nabi sallallahu entered his house. Forget him feeling good. That one smile will make everybody else feel good. When they will feel good, he will see everything in a pleasant atmosphere. Why won't that atmosphere make him feel even better? Now he decided that since I had a hard day at home at work, so now I need to unwind in my manner. How do I unwind? I unwind by winding everybody else up and putting everybody else under tension. So is that not going to rebound back on me? That I'm putting everybody else under tension, that tension is going to come back on me as well. So is this the way to unwind? Is this the way to so-called relax? No, no, the way to unwind is the sunnah manner. That walking cheerfully, walking with salam, you bringing that salamati, tahiyyata, this salam is mubarak, it's full of barakat. Now that barakat will come in that atmosphere of the home. That barakat will come within the hearts of everybody. So this will create that muhabbat, this will create that pleasantness. So these are the simple things that are so easy to adopt, but so great. After all, it's a sunnah of Rasulullah There can be no, no limit to its greatness. This is beyond our imagination, what barakat there will be in it, what khair and what good there will be in it. It's all up to us to adopt it. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Inshallah, a few more things will continue after Zuhr. Subhanallah. Subhanallah.